Man, do you want me to autograph this or what? What it is, what it do. This is Rambling, your weekly Rams podcast that gives you insight of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from Agora Hills, California. As we head into week 16, the Rams are 8-6. and six. They lost to the Cowboys in Dallas and we're back on the road to play the 49ers this Saturday before coming home to face the Cardinals for the final regular season game. Joining us today is a former O-lineman in the NFL, played 12 years, won two Super Bowls. He's now all over your television as a football analyst at ESPN. He's kind-hearted, but let me tell you something. He's bougie when it comes to banana pudding. He gives good <laughs> hugs and mean mugs. Damian Woody is in the house. <laughs> What's going on, Serena? <laughs> bougie when it comes to banana pudding because the dude oh, uses yeah. pe- Pepperidge Farm. That was like one of my yeah. favorite things you've ever said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do, listen, we pass the vanilla wafers. They get soggy over time. We on the Purpose farm cookies, you dig? I dig it. I dig it. Um, you got any holiday plan? I feel like football, when you work in sports just in general, you really don't get the opportunity to to like acknowledge holidays. Like Thanksgiving is big football day and Christmas is a big NBA day and you're sort of just like, Yeah, you just I forget that I just work through the whole thing. I'm like, Oh yeah, I celebrate the holidays watching television. <laughs> Yeah, you know, sports is kind of backward from like like most people in society because around the holidays, everyone has the time. They take time off and they gather and, you know, what are they typically watching? Sports. So that's really like our busiest time is Thanksgiving, Christmas. You know, everyone is tuning in. So we got to be we got to be cranked up and ready to go. I know for real. Speaking of cranked up and ready to go, the Rams. They got to be cranked up and ready to go uh, for the last two games of the season. There's a lot at stake. I mean, the, the Vikings have to lose their next two games. The Rams have to win their next two games. But the overall sort of thing that I, I we talked a lot about on this podcast, they've experienced a lot of change at the O-line. And for the past month, they've seemed to have pulled it together. There's obviously been a bit of a roller coaster. But as a former O-lineman, how easy – and or difficult, and I'm going to lean on the difficult side of things, is it to just fix? There were so many injuries that happened this season. I'm sure it can't be like, yeah, just throw in another dude. It'll be okay. Yeah, you know, I always tell people, people ask that question all the time when they talk about the offensive line. And, and what I tell people is, you know, the offensive line is really a team within a team because you basically have to get five guys to play as one. That's what offensive the really good offensive lines that I've ever been on, we didn't even have to communicate. We knew what each other were thinking before we even had to verbally say anything. Everyone was in unison, and because of that chemistry um, that we had off the field, we also had it on the field, and we were able to play at high levels. And when you have guys in and out of lineup or you're constantly changing in the, within the O-line, you don't have that same chemistry, and those guys don't play as well. So the Rams have experienced that this year. Um, you know, they were one of the top offensive lines, you know, for you know the past, you know, the prior couple of years. But this year they've had change, whether it be injury or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever else the case may be. But they haven't played as well. And that's mainly due to the fact that um, just different parts in the offensive line. Yeah. And I would say this. There's also this conversation of like, 
Run the ball. Give it to Todd Gurley. Give it to Malcolm Brown. Figure things out, Sean McVay. But just at center, you know, losing Brian Allen, he was next up to step in for John Sullivan at center. Then you had Austin Blythe move over to center. Brian Allen and and Austin Blythe are two completely different humans when it comes to personality. I think that that um, overall closeness that you have specifically for with a center and a quarterback is important. But I say this as someone who's never played either position. So for you, you know, how does that relationship and the change just affect the quarterback and the run game? Well, being that I came into the league as a center. Um, it is very important to have that quarterback center uh, relationship because a lot of times, um, especially like when you have younger younger quarterbacks, mm. they're very dependent on the center to make the calls, and, you know, directing protection, you know, all those type of things. So anytime you have um, different guys in the lineup, particularly at center, you got to worry about quarterback center exchange. You got to worry about the communication between quarterback and center, and then passing up, passing along that communication along the line to the running backs. I think people don't understand how much goes in before the ball's, ball is even snapped. Like, there's so much communication that you have to do up front um, and with the quarterback and running back that these things happen in, like, a split second. Um, and when you have different – when you have changes in the lineup, it affects communication. As a former quarterback. Uh, in his my, high my school high school middle school but my center is still one of my best friends to this day wow from all that you just got and we can yeah. still we're still like this every time yeah i mean it's, it's true like i'm still you know i'm like really still really good friends with you know with drew bledsoe and and tom brady and 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 brett Favre and 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 you know it, those relationships never they never change yeah, I mean, you always see the quarterback always saying thank you to their O-line, whether it's some crazy Christmas gift. Which, After they're going to get killed. <laughs> right. And, I mean, Todd Gurley says it most. He's just like, man, I can't thank, you know, the O-line enough. And I've always said this, like, you guys are the unsung heroes who actually don't even want the credit. Like, I talked to a bunch of the O-line guys. They're becoming my favorite dudes on on football teams. And they're always just like, yeah, we don't we don't want the credit. We're just we're, we're here. We're here to do our job. And and that's sort of it, which is crazy because then you have like the DBs who are these like sugar rushed humans who are just like, ah, <laughs> Yo, y'all need to calm down. Right. But- we don't we don't see we don't need any of that. OK, the one thing I tell people about offensive linemen, to me, in my opinion, we, we like the we're like the most underappreciated guys on the team. We have some of the best personalities on the team. And usually when attention is drawn to an offensive line, nine times out of ten, it's because of a penalty or we gave up a sack. So that's why we always say, just let us be. We don't need all that attention. As long as we go out here and get this W, that's all that matters to us. Who were we talking to that was talking about the difference between, you know, for defensive linemen, it's all about like, you win one no. time out of a hundred and you're like, ah, oh, you're celebrating. But then... On the offense, if you lose one time out of a hundred, right, you're completely defeated. It's, it's the bad. exact opposite, right? If you think about it, it yeah, one well, sack, a- you get a- everything. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, think about this: the defensive linemen they rotate. Offensive, we don't rotate. So defensive linemen they come in, they rotate, they get one sack. All of a sudden, they they're heralded, <laughs> you know, after the game. Oh, look at that great play! And it's just like, okay, we ran eighty plays, and you got and you got you know one victory basically, but. All of a sudden, you got a great game. So that's just how backwards the mindset is 
uh, when it comes to football sometimes. It is. You you tweeted you were an emotional wreck watching this Cowboys-Rams game on Sunday. Um, this season as a whole for the Rams has had a lot of ups and downs. Have you experienced in your career like this situation? I mean, the Rams are 8-6. and six. They still have a winning record. I get that the NFC West is very top-heavy. Um, but have you experienced this sort of roller coaster ride in your career? And like, how do you stabilize? Like, how do you just kind of go in and go, okay, we just got to focus on the next game? Yeah, I've experienced it. I think, um, you know, I think in 2009, when I was with the Jets and then Mark Sanchez was a rookie, I mean, we went through, I mean, you talk about a roller coaster. We went, (laughs) you know, we won like three games and we lost like five. Then we, you know, like went on a, a winning streak to, Get in, you know, barely get into the playoffs, and we rolled that all the way to the AFC Championship game. So, trust me, I've experienced all the the highs and lows and the roller coasters that can come in in a season. The Rams have been the same way. Yeah. You know, there's been like heavy expectations when it comes to the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, you know, you go out there and you pay Jared Goff, and your team is, you know, you know, coming off a of Super Bowl, so everyone's expecting this team to be right back in the mix, and you know. I've always said that every team, every year, every team is different. And I think that's where people get caught up sometimes is, oh, this team went to Super Bowl, so they should be right back. No, every team is different. Uh, You know, there's always turnover on a roster. There's injuries. There's things that always happen throughout a season that can change the makeup of a team. And I think the Rams have experienced that and, and have, quite honestly, have seen what it's like to play the year after you go to a Super Bowl. It is very, very hard, and and I guarantee you, to a man, they will, they will, uh, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know, they've said this too, where it's like they, right? These geniuses of humans who critique football in ways that we can't. But there's been a lot of talk about in your third year as a head coach, this where you get the most challenging sort of like people start to really figure you out. I think the Cowboys. You know, I I spoke to a couple guys, um, some some of the guys up for the Rams and they're like, you don't think the Cowboys prepared for us more than any other game this season, the way that last year we played them in the Coliseum. And you're getting everybody's a game when you're the everybody's a game. Right. Right. You circle. I mean, not that we, you know, everyone's always like, Oh, you never circle a game. Every game's the same, but on, on some real stuff right here, the Cowboys came to the Coliseum last season to get, you know, a playoff spot to move on to the NFC championship and Todd Gurley ran, rushed for 100-something yards, C.J. Anderson show and the Todd Gurley show in the Coliseum. And everyone was like, what in the world? And we stopped their run game. So you don't think, I mean, right, it's got to happen, Damian, where it's like, you don't think that the Cowboys were like, we're going to stop them this time. This isn't happening this season. Well, football is a very emotional game. So when you take a beat down, you know, like when you get, physically taken to the woodshed like the Cowboys got, you know, like the Cowboys were last year. And then you see, oh, we play the Rams. Oh, we play the Rams next year at our place. Oh, don't think that guys didn't think about that coming into the game. Don't think that the coaching staff with Jason Garrett and everybody in that building weren't talking about what happened last year to the Cowboys out in Los Angeles. So, again, you got the combination of the fact that uh, the Los Angeles Rams went to the Super Bowl last year, and on top of that, you beat down the Cowboys just from a physical standpoint, those guys were riled up and ready to go. And it, and it, and it, showed, on, it showed on Sunday. So 
that's just the reality of football. Again, it's a very emotional sport. These things come about, but the Rams still, they're still in the mix right now. Yeah, and we've seen the 49ers are a very beatable team. So, Damien, give us the answer. How do the Rams get a win this Saturday and away at the 49ers in San Francisco? I think, number one, run the football. I think Todd, I think running the football is, to me, on offense, that's the number one thing. Because when, when, when the Rams run the football, that's when they're at their best. Because their play-action game is some of the best. They have some of the best concepts in play-action of any team in the National Football League. So if you're able to run the football against this 49ers team, it, there should be all types of holes uh, in the secondary for the Rams to be able to exploit. So I think that's where it stops. And then stopping the 49ers run game. Yeah. Well, for, you know, 49ers, are one of the, they have one of the best rushing attacks in the National Football League. So yeah. if you're able to it, – it's really going to be simple. This game is going to be really simple. Run the ball, stop the run. No especially passes. This time of, <laughs> especially this time of year, this time of year, that's what it all comes down to. It's all about who's going to win in the trenches and for the you know for this game against the 49ers it's going to be paramount to win that game in the trenches for sure some quickly some news from around the NFL Monday night football Drew Brees broke Peyton Manning's career touchdown record so he's at 541 currently uh this is we, Matt and I were talking about this before the podcast but when it comes to Drew Brees and Sean Payton right where does this legacy land I, we were both like Yo, we forgot that Drew Brees played for the Chargers. <laughs> like, there's this moment where right. people are like, hold on a second. We're always talking about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But I honestly, you got to give it to Sean Payton and Drew Brees and what they've done to this Saints organization. They turned this whole team around. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. Think about what a, the Saints organization was. Obviously, after Katrina, you know, it was a very, the, the whole region the whole city of new orleans was in a depressed state and it literally that that city looked towards the new orleans saints that was really the re, kind of the rebirth of that city all behind the saints i still remember i think it was a monday night when steve gleason blocked a punt um and ran in for a touchdown it was a huge game they were reopening the superdome after katrina and so that was kind of like the rebirth you know with that you know coach quarterback combination and they, you know, have sustained excellence now for, man, it seems it's been a like, tw I think, 12 years, something like that. It's been something crazy. So Drew Brees and Sean Payton are, are definitely, um, they're def I mean, I would have to put them in, you know, I would say top four yeah. coach quarterback combination of all time. Yeah, for sure. Um, they're obviously, uh, Drew Brees is a pro bowler <laughs> year in, year out. Um, pro Bowl. You were in the Pro Bowl. Uh, the Rams now have two guys who were selected to be in the Pro Bowl. You've heard their names before, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Do you have a like a funny Pro Bowl story? We were looking up the 2002 Pro Bowl list. Who, Adam Vinatieri, who's still, still playing, league, was on that team with you. <laughs> I know. I know what to – I mean, I, that, man, he's – Adam has been uh, – you know, what's funny is, like, Adam has always been known for, you know, all the stuff with the Patriots, but – He's been playing longer with Indianapolis than he did in New England. Yeah, uh, which is which just shows you his, you know, uh, how long he's been playing uh, in the National Football League. But it, 
I remember, um, you know, my Pro Bowl year, I, I, I went out there and um, and I, I, walk into the, I walk into the room and I remember like Jerry Rice just walking in. I'm like, wait a minute. That's Jerry Rice right there. Like, I'm still a young, I'm like, I grew up watching Jerry Rice and I could not pull myself to a Coach Jerry Rice. What? And he just so happened, he just so happened to like catch, like we just have, like happen to have eye contact. And he comes over and is like, young fella, I don't bite. Like you bigger than me. Amazing. Like, yeah. So <laughs> like, like the goat was like, man, do you want me to autograph this or what? And I'm like, I'm sitting there like a, like a kid in kindergarten. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you mind autographing this? And uh, I got it like put right front and center in my in my home office, and like that was just a surreal moment for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Looking, I'm just looking back. I'm going through all the nostalgia, just looking at all these names, and it's like, wow, every single person on here is just. I would have loved to see watch watch them play again. Which is crazy because if you think about it, right, a lot of guys get snubbed when it comes to the Pro Bowl. Like last year, I can't tell you, I thought John Johnson, our safety, should have made the Pro Bowl. This year, I really do think that Cooper Cup deserved a nod, um, has over 1,000 receiving yards. I, I would put him as a comeback player of the year after hurting, uh, going through a season-ending injury. Is there When you get snubbed, like – is it just like, man, or is it just like, okay, well, I, I have free time now. <laughs> no, you know what? You, you, you do get a little pissed because I don't know one year, you know, I think it was in 2002. Uh, oh, maybe it's 01. I feel like that was my best year. I'm like, man, I know I'm going. <sighs> and then we get, and then we have, you know, the end of practice, they announce it and I make it. I was an alternate. And I'm just like, I, I was so in the in the in the dumps about that one. And then everybody came like to a man. Everybody who made the Pro Bowl came out to me. It was like, Wood, you deserved it. Mm-hmm. But you know what happens a lot of times with the Pro Bowl? You usually make it the second the year after. Okay. And that's exactly what happened. The following year, I ended up making it. And uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a rite of passage thing. I don't know. But I felt like I had my best year in one. Hmm. than I did in, in in 2002. Probably because you get your name on the map and then the next year people yeah. are looking for you and so that, they know your name. That, that's correct. Huh. Yep. That's how it works, the breakdown of yep. Pro Bowl. All right, Maddie. I also wonder too, like if, if – because there's a paycheck involved in that too, right? Yeah. Like a little, little bonus. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you have like incentives tied to that. So I'm just like, man, you stop messing with my money. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of money. There's Speaking only two things in this world that matter. It's money and time. And you know what time it is? What time is it, it's Matt? It's time for <laughs> Serena's social segment. He Mariah <laughs> carries All I Want for Christmas is You. Just hit number one on the Billboard charts for the first time in the 25 years it's been out. Crazy. So I got to ask, mm. at midnight on December 1, when it's legally acceptable to play Christmas music, <laughs> what's the first song you're putting on? Oof. Damien's. Are you talking to Serena or me? You, Damien. We called oh, me? you for this podcast. He doesn't care oh, you about me. Okay. <laughs> but I will, my, okay, I will so add. Going, I'll add a song. So I'm going Silent Night by the Temptations. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's mine. So I've I like that it's just that's a childhood thing. Just growing up like that, that song always stuck out to me. 
And that's like the first song I play, like when, when you know, when it's time to decorate the tree and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy? Um, my mother had me grow up uh, on the California Raisins, which is hilarious because now I live in California and I had no <laughs> connection as a New Yorker. To California raisins being in California. So I'm like, oh, wow. But Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, they, they was like a California raisins. If you guys go back and look. Damien, you remember the California raisins? It was like a little claymation. Oh, of, yeah. I remember. And they I had remember. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Nose reindeer. Right. Had yeah. a very shot. Like, it was so. And mm-hmm. my mom would put it on every year. And I was like, yeah, we are feeling it today. You know, a little jerk of the head, you know, I'm all into it. So I feel like we need to bring them back to, you know, to, to the world of like cartoons and all of those things. Well, well we're going to charge you with that, Serena. How about that? Yeah. Oh, it's me. <laughs> Can we yeah, bring we're gonna back put the you California in charge of that. I mean, I'm right now I'm in the correct state to, to make this so happen. So I'm going to work on this. <laughs> the day with the twitter poll <laughs> hopefully a okay. hundred people respond to me oh <laughs> um but yeah it's crazy that mariah carey really hasn't had like this is the first i'm like that song is played everywhere maybe it's, they don't count so i think it's it's streaming yeah that's really picked up because um it used to be it's based on malls, record sales everywhere. and those kind of things and people don't really buy records Record. like that anymore no, or cds or whatever so now just the way they calculate stats anyway um, in in the holiday season, what's the worst gift you've ever received? <laughs> wow! Socks. You don't gotta you don't gotta call anybody out. Socks. But. You know what? I can't even say this. My mom gets me socks, and I appreciate it. And they're usually adorable. But there are things that you can purchase for yourself, and that happens to be a pair of socks. Well, and my mom. But my that mom, was that was that was what I was going with. Socks. Every, so socks. everybody got socks. I'm like, I have plenty. Yeah. Right. Like, did you think I had a holy set? Like, if you have a sock problem where it's like, hey, you know, your socks are looking a little grim these days, you know? But no, I've never I've never shown that when it comes to me and my mother's relationships. So it's <laughs> just questionable. Yeah, I don't know what the, what the whole fascination is with socks. Like, like, come on, people. I can go get socks at any time. Yeah. My, my mom put... Uh, <laughs> this she, is she so put, messed up. She put a box under the, under the tree... <laughs> <laughs> and I was shaking it around, and I'm like, all right, this is about to be good. It's got some weight. It's got some sound. Open it up. It's a pair of socks with some rocks and screws in there, so it had some weight. Isn't that the noise. most messed up mm, thing? Like, that I'm- is messed up. And that just, is messed oh, up. Oh, man, the grin on her face the whole time. I'm, like, trying to open it, too. I was just me- – but I, I'll give her – I'll give her some slack because she followed it up with a puppy. So. Oh, whoa. That's oh, whoa, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. I don't mind socks that are fun, though, because I do wear those. Like, I like a fun pop of color sock, but my mom wouldn't even get me those. It was just like, hey, I got you some new socks. They were on sale, so you should wear them. I'm like, okay, thanks, mom. But I like the, co- like, now there's cool <laughs> socks out there, too. Like, you know Jay Harris. He's always wearing, like, crazy socks. It's, like, sh- it's like a Oh, yeah, he's all, he always has something something good on. For sure. But, yeah, we got to move on from the, or, like, a bad candy. I'm like, don't give me that. Yeah. I'm going to buy that myself. Um, what's the latest you've bought somebody a gift? <laughs> on my way to their house. Oh, on my the, way to their the, house. Yeah, the day of, like, literally, like, I, hours before. Yeah. Hours before. I was before I did that. I did that with my wife before. Like you bought her socks. I, <laughs> oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare do that. But I was just like, 
I was because I'm a I, I admit I'm a procrastinator. So I mean, at one time, one year, I just kept putting it off, putting it off, and then like some things just ha- I forgot what the events that happened, but it's like it, yeah, I was <laughs> sleepwalking. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh snap! Like I got to do something. I have to get something today, and I'm like talking to my my girls, like girls, dad doesn't have mom gift, oh, and they were like, God. what? Dad, you gotta go now, and you gotta go do this, this, whatever. And I was man, I was mad, scrambling around, just trying let, to get everything. Just let yeah. me put my name on your gift. It'll, it'll be fine. We'll count it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I've definitely, yeah, it was yeah, it was bad. Definitely gone to a store on my way, like to someone's house, and I'm like, just you could wrap it right now. That's totally fine. It's you, gonna not match any of the other wrapping that I have involved. Are you a regifter? <sighs> I've done it once. I've regifted a gift one time. What was it? You know, so- socks. <laughs> <laughs> Have you regifted a gift, Damien? Were you like, I got something, and you're like, eh, get this yep, to I else. <laughs> Yep, yep. No shame in my game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. What was it? Do you remember? Um, coffee maker. Oh, a coffee maker is not a bad regift if you have one. one. Yeah, that's actually I think okay. I like a candle or something, but not like an actual appliance. Th- that's a that's a questionable gift, candles, because sometimes people don't like the scent. It's like buying someone perfume. You're like, well, how do you know that I'm gonna appreciate the way that this smells? Sometimes I'm too like if I walk into one of those is, candle stores, so like I'm like, I got a that headache. That is weird because you're giving somebody something that you like. Yes. Not something that they'll like. I've also done that before where I'm like, we will enjoy this gift. <laughs> Together. Together. Whether and you like it or not. <laughs> like all of my ex-boyfriends definitely got. Welcome to our cult. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, oh, this is cool. I'm like, yeah, I thought we could share it. Together. It'll be fun. Right. And they're like, mm-hmm. did you want this Yankee what? tickets? How did you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> we got you Yankee tickets. <laughs> like What? I know. I thought it'd be so fun to watch me cheer for the Yankees. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Opening day. Let's go, guys. <laughs> right. Oh, man. All right. And finally, Damien, if not for football, then what would you do if the sport didn't exist and you, my friend, are verily, verily, very heavily, that's how you say that, heavily involved in football. So if the thing didn't, didn't even Come to existence, what would you be doing? I would probably I'd be I'd be uh I'll probably be doing something in real estate. Real estate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about yeah, I'm all about acquisition. I'm all about just acquiring land and stuff like that. So I've always had a fascination of that long, you know, before, even before, even before, um, my starting pro football. So I think that, that probably would have been my avenue. When you say the acquisition of land, I got to tell you, that is, sounds like the Oregon trail. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> are Club. you, were you a farmer? Like are you, this land I'm looks good to grow. <laughs> oh, I grew listen, I grew up in a very, I grew up in a very rural area in Virginia. So it was nothing but farmland around. So yeah. Like when you hear me say acquisition of land. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm talking land, what he land, on the lots flower. of land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, like something similar. You put a flag there, like I own this. This guys. is mine now. 
Do you right, watch? This is mine. Do you watch like certain? Like, are you an HGTV guy? Like, what are you watching to be like? Oh man, I could I could have that property. Or are you? More yeah, like- yeah, I watch. Yeah, I watch that. I mean, it's fun. It's not all realistic, but it's fun. You know, <laughs> so I, I watch it. It's good entertainment. Why not? Damian Woody Woody Properties coming at you soon to the area. Live and direct. Live and direct. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. That's it. That's our 20th episode of Ramblin'. And we will see you next week. <laughs>